Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Empowered Returns. I'm your host, P.T. Weinberg, founding partner here at Charles Gate, and I am uh, super pumped up to have Sean Panogian here from Guaranteed Rate, Executive Vice President mega producer, loan officer extraordinaire. And yeah, thanks uh, for having me. This is awesome. Pumped psych, to be here. Psyched for you to be here. So yeah. uh, let's get right to it, man. Cool. Everyone wants to know what the hell is going on in the mortgage world right now. You know, it's been an interesting 18 months, right? You know, at the beginning of last year, you know, early 2022 rates are humming along right at 3%. It was like two years of that. It was, it was amazing. Free money, pretty much cheap money. And it created like this massive spending spree across pretty much everything. Houses, cars, you know, the, the money was flowing all across our country on everything. And then, you know, obviously it, it kind of turned into a little bit of uh, inflation became a thing, right? And when inflation happens, rates go up. And so we've had rates pretty much double uh, from, you know, from early last year, you know, starting almost about a year ago. Last year, last June is kind of when rates really kind of jumped up into like the high five sixes. And we even got up into the sevens at some point in uh, October, November of 2022. Yeah. Um, and we entered this year, you know, in the sixes, um, you know, rates have kind of been hovering around. There's been a lot of challenges this year. You know, we've had inflation kind of remain sticky. We've had this debt ceiling issue. We've had, um, you know, um, we had the debt ceiling issue. We've had just, you know, um, the banking crisis, right, Silicon Valley right, Bank first right, probably. So there's right. all this risk yeah. created, which is elevated rates. And so, you know, money's gotten more expensive. Um, what's amazing is people still buying homes, right, you know, and right. they're still bidding wars and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what's going on is I think I think we're at the end of it. I think we're uh, pretty close. We're much closer to the end of this higher rate cycle. And I think we're going to kind of dip back into like the, you know, my prediction is by the you know fall, we'll be in the fives. I think rates are oh, really? coming that down. Oh, really? That soon? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All I right. think rates are going to come down. I think it's going to create a lot of optimism and excitement. It's going to create even more demand. You know, as, yeah, as we'll get, get into the yeah, whole okay, cool. supply, demand, yeah, local yeah. dynamic yeah, stuff in a yeah. bit. But just kind of on a macro level, I yeah. think a lot of people were certainly going into 23, hoping that rates would start to come back down. And, you know, everyone's kind of saying Q3. Now, a lot of people were saying now that's more into 24, but you you, you think it's going to be more later this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the reason people thought rates were going to come down, you know, really kind of everybody had targeted like April, May is like, you know, rates come down when inflation comes down, right? right. And inflation started to come down. You know, inflation peaked last year at 9%. Here we are at like right around 4%, 4 to 5, depending on the, um, you know, the report you're reading. So rates should be, like if you look at technicals right now, based on where like the treasury bills, rates should be in the high fives right now. Yeah. But all those other events that I kind of mentioned earlier kind of, you know, created some uh, uncertainty in the market. And so they're elevated. Uh, but I, I think we're going to start to see, we're on the other side of the Fed for the first time. Right. Didn't hike, you know, just this right. past week. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, totally. You know, we'll see. What, I, like, so what... It, Again, everyone's so skewed, right? Because yeah. to your point, there was three basically yeah. free money yeah. for years, right? Like what, where in your mind is sort of that Mason-Dixon line on perception to really drive like consumer confidence? Is it five? Like we need rates yeah. about five. Is that, I mean, yeah, that's like sort of the way I look at it. Anything in the fives. Anything right? in the fives. Yeah, like, okay. you, know, you know, I'll tell you, it was amazing. When you saw rates start going up, you know, nobody was happy, right? Right. But there was, a, there was two times... Uh, last summer and then earlier at the beginning of this January, rates got kind of got back in the fives. The amount of excitement that I saw from consumers and this spike in mortgage applications both times were huge. And then historically, before all this pandemic stuff, like, you know, the market hummed along when we were in the fours and fives. Totally. Like, without yeah. I mean, you know, anybody I, thinking I mean, twice. You know, I'm certainly, I still think I'm in my 20s, but yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And I remember like 
clamoring to refi at six. Yeah. You know, back in like oh three, oh four, oh five, like, you know, that was that was great. And then histor- in a historical context, like, you know, six isn't terrible. Yeah. And and to your point, I think fives is sort of the magic number to really sort of get people off that like rate fright train for lack yeah. of a better yeah. <laughs> uh, cliche. Just made that up. You yeah, can, I like that. I'm gonna, that, that. Dude. I'm gonna use yeah. that. Uh yeah, no, I think you're right. Look, I think once it gets back down to that you're going to see just like, I think you'll see excitement. You're actually going to see a bunch of people be able to refinance, right? Yeah. And you're going to see a bunch of people just like uh, jump in and buy because, you know, on the way up, things slow down. On the way down, there's so much excitement that's created. Right. Because uh, there's that little fear of missing out and, and also fear, like also the the thought of like getting a good deal. Right. So you just see massive excitement. So I think if we get back in the fives, which I do think we're headed there, yeah. um, you know, I actually even think there's a chance that we get back into like the very high fours if we end up in, into some recession right. and the Fed uh, actually starts cutting some rates. Uh, I don't think that's, I, I think that's probably towards like the tail end of 2024 or into 2025. Yeah. But I think we live next year in the fives. Yeah. You know? Do you ever think we'll be in like the high twos, 3% again you know, in our, probably in next our pan- professional ne- lifetime? Next, next pandemic. Next pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, well, so, so hopefully, hopefully not. not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So look, we're kind of a new development. Yeah focused podcast, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the importance of lending in new construction. Sure. Right. I'll, we, we can get into some some other nuances, but just kind of generally speaking from a developer standpoint, as well as a consumer standpoint for the, the end buyer, yeah. like how important is it to, to have a good preferred lender? What are the advantages of having a preferred lender? And what are some of the you know, the idiosyncrasies of new construction lending that are so, you know, important for the success of a project. Yeah, no, it, I think it's super important. So it all starts with um, figuring out, yeah, having loan products that can, um, you know, help the end consumers, right? So like, and where that starts is, you know, I don't think people, you know, when, when you get a mortgage on a condominium, you're, um, you know, as a, um, as the lender, you have to come in and understand the docs, right? You have to understand, um, the pre-sale requirements, you have to understand the master insurance, whether, you know, there's things like flood insurance involved on a big project, stuff like that. And you have to have the project meet as many investor guidelines as possible. So it starts, typically we come in and we'll approve the loan with like Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And that's like 90% of the mortgages out there, right? right? Because a lot of even lenders that don't lend to those products follow their guidelines. So we try to make the project warrantable. Um, and so we'll work with the developer and we'll, review the docs in advance, review the budget in advance, uh, help them with the questionnaire and answer and all that stuff to, you know, make sure that they're meeting all the guidelines and they understand uh, the, the kind of checks and balances in place. Um, so that's where we start. Then we figure out, you know, then it, to me, it's always dives into, well, you know, when can you start lending on this project regarding pre-sale, right? So like a lot of lenders will not start lending on a project until something's like 50% pre-sold, in some cases, even 70%. We have a lot of options where we can do, you know, 30%, even no pre-sale requirements. Yep. We go out to the market and figure out, hey, we've got this project here, and we go to the different banks and credit unions that we work with and see if we can get this project approved with them. So we just try to cast a wide product set uh, for all the different kinds of buyers that can come in. You know, when you, you, you develop a project, you're gonna lend to investors, you're gonna lend to primary residents, first-time home buyers, all those, and, and they all have different needs, all different down payment requirements. So you just try to go out and find as much product that's gonna meet that, that project as you can. Um, and then I think the other part of it is like the communication with the developer, right? Like you have to have, um, you know, it's it's a obviously a sizable investment for them. They wanna know that the money's gonna come through if they accept somebody's right. um, offer. You know, they wanna know if, if they can count on the pre-approvals that are coming in so that they know when the 
the units are actually going to close it or under agreement or under reservation. Um, so there's there's that part. And what we typically do is we'll, you know, every single week we'll give like an updated, um, you know, do an update in terms of where we're at with every single uh, unit that we're financing in terms of where they're at with application, appraisals, mortgage contingencies, stuff like that. Um, so that that's one part of it. And the last part for the end consumer, obviously delivering on really, really great products to make the project as affordable as possible, right? And then the the challenge, the most challenging part is, you know, extended rate locks yeah, and all say, that kind of stuff. Timelines, delays, I mean. Yeah, they all you happen. Know, you know, right? it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's nobody's fault, right? It's like, you know, especially over the last couple of years, it's supply chain and how busy everything is and, you know, um, all the different challenges that we went through. You know, so we, we have a wide variety of investors that will offer things like, six months rate locks, nine month, one year rate locks, you know, stuff like that, yeah. that just puts people's mind at ease. You know, obviously, you know, a lot of consumers buying these projects, you know, when they first started, you know, the thought of buying and put something under reservation, maybe, you know, rates were two and 3%, you know, and now yeah. all of a sudden that's changed. And if they didn't have an extended rate lock, you know, the cost to buy that same unit has gone up dramatically and that's, there's some stress and anxiety that's created from that. Right. So we try to avoid that, okay. right? And, and yep. you know, th so there's, you're working with the developer, you're working with the consumer, you're trying to cast a wide net and you're trying to create some sort of certainty um, that everything's gonna actually close because it, so, there's so many variables that happen over the course of a year. Yeah, so let's talk about the, the perception versus the reality on down payment needs yeah. and then sort of how that impacts the types of products that are available to you. I think you know, everybody kind of had that perception forever that you got to have 20% yeah. down. And then, you know, after the whole subprime stuff, like, you know, the pendulum swung back where people's, you know, perception again was maybe that the requirements were actually more than they are. Yeah. And can you kind of speak to what's out there still for, you know, especially in a market like ours, that's so freaking expensive, yeah. right? Like, you know, what options are out there for people that, you know, don't want to put a ton of money down? Yeah. It, you know, that the fact that you need 20% down couldn't be further from the truth, right? Like it's like there's yeah. so many great products out there. Now, um, you know, the great part is in the city of Boston and the surrounding areas uh, where, it's, you know, you can get a conventional mortgage uh, through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac guidelines, which, you know, cast the widest net up to about $828,000 here, right? You can literally put down as little as 5% down uh, with and finance up to 828. So like all those condos in the mid eights, in high eights, like a lot of times you can put 5% down. Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, you can bar, put as little as 3% down with like borrowing up to 726,000. So, so the bottom line is those are examples on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. There's FHA programs with as little as three and a half percent down. Mass housing offers great 3% down options for first time home buyers. Um, you know, VA allows, you know, we can, a lot of times we'll come in and get a condo VA approved um, and you know, they can put down as little as 0%, right? right? And, and, you know, those clients are, are different than they were years and years ago. You got, I have VA clients that are buying condos for a million dollars or, you know, houses for a million and a half dollars, you know, so it's that, you know, people are utilizing those benefits. Um, and then there's also these great jumbo products and physicians loans that allow for 10% down or 5% down. So like, you know, we cast a very, very wide net in terms of product set. And the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people do come in thinking they need to put down 20%. That's not the truth. Right. Uh, investors generally have to put down like 15 or 20 or yeah, 25%. Yeah, so that was going to be my next yeah. question. So thanks for, for yeah. kind of leading me there. Um, what kind of investment? A lot of our audience are, are investors, yeah. right? They're either, you know, people who are buying condos to rent out on the sort of small scale investment stuff, or, you know, we have a lot of younger developers that, that tune in here that are looking to buy a two or three fam and, you know, maybe rehab it and flip it, maybe yeah. go in and, and, and hold it long term. 
what is the climate like right now for investors? What's the delta on rate for a, a primary versus an investment property? Yeah. What do you what are you seeing out there on that front? Yeah. So you know the 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 delta on rate surprisingly is not that big right now between primary investment. It's actually about it, it, you know it's historically it's somewhere between like a half point and a point higher. Yeah. The one thing that has changed dramatically in the last just year that a lot of people don't realize is that you know for we were in this low rate environment and. There wasn't really the thought of um, rates spiking up as fast as they did, yeah. and obviously that happened. So the way um, we've seen the secondary market reprice is that they're still offering really competitive rates uh, to the investors, but now that you're seeing a lot of cases where you, they require like to pay upfront points, which was kind of not a thing for a while on yeah. investment properties. But that's right. like you know we have a lot of investment products that require a point or two points, like which is just upfront closing costs that you have to right. pay in order to secure a mortgage. Yeah. So. Uh, that's been a big, big change. It's probably the most predominant it's been in my career over the course of the last 20 years. Okay. Um, and then in terms of down payments, you know, you're looking at same deal, 20, 25% down. There's still an appetite out there. The, there. There hasn't been, you know, a pullback in terms of uh, product offerings for investors. If anything, that stuff's opened up even a little bit more. Now, over the course of the last year, you've seen a lot of new products come up for investors, things that will, you know, uh, that you can utilize bank statement loans, you can utilize like a lot more opportunities when somebody's buying something in LLC. Some of that stuff wasn't available for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing, and, and a lot of times developers, you know, are self-employed, you know, the way they show their income is based off capital gains, stuff like that, that can be harder to kind of uh, blend on. And you're starting to see a lot of the residential products feel and look a lot more like commercial products again, like some make sense lending options. So that's been a huge positive. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, the rates are higher, right? Yeah, you know, oh yeah, um, totally. But like, you know, it's it's opened up a lot of opportunity for developers. Yeah. And what about on like uh, equity lines and stuff? Because obviously so much of the um, so much of the investor segment of the market yeah. had you for years was utilizing, you know, in, in, in the rates of appreciation we had in our market. We're, we're pulling money out of, you know, yeah. assets that they own to go buy more assets and. And what are you seeing as far as like LTVs rates and on the on the equity side to try to you know arbitrage and, and get more yeah. more you know expand your portfolio? Yeah, the average the average rate on a home equity line right now is like nine and a half percent. So that's gone up a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know like a credit are, card. Yeah, I mean, yeah, credit cards average rates twenty percent. Is right it now. really? Yeah, the average credit card in the country right now the average interest rate is almost twenty percent. Holy smokes! Uh, it's a lot. It's like uh, that's like like what Tony Soprano used to run money at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it's, you know, that's just what it is when, you know, the, uh, the Fed raises rates. So lines of credit are still super popular. You know, interestingly enough, the average American today has about 52% equity in their homes, right? That's so a, it's it's a huge pretty number. Good. Yeah. It's a huge, yeah, yeah. It's the most that's it's ever been. That's more than I would have thought. Yeah. 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 So okay. just, and literally just saw the stats come out last week. And so, um, you know, so the home equity lines are super popular, probably more popular than they've ever been. Uh, because the equity is there. And then on top of that, a lot of people don't want to touch their first mortgages, do like cash out refis and stuff like that. Yeah. So they're utilizing the equity lines. Right. Um, so still super popular. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, uh, that's like one of the most, to your point, like that's where I see a lot of people tapping their cash in ter terms of other assets, right? Right. And so there hasn't been a freeze on that. You know, if you remember during the pandemic when that first happened, it was really hard to get a home equity line. Yeah. You know, that is not the case right now. It's pretty easy to get it. You've seen LTVs go up to 80, 90, okay. you know, um, pretty pretty standard across the board. Now, those are on primary residence. You can even find home equity lines available on investment properties, you know, fewer and far between, but you can still go, go get those type of products. Yeah. So I think that, um, that 80, 90% yes. you just mentioned is obviously sort of indicative of, you know, 
values yes. clearly, right? Yeah. And, and and banks confidence in values. So I think at least locally, right? So that's a good segue. Let's talk about our local market, yeah. right? And just sort of how different it is. What are the dynamics here that just drive it? And you know, from your standpoint on lending, yeah. you know, why candidly it's probably a little easier to borrow here than than you know certain certain other places, right? Yeah, I mean, and, look, I, I you know, fortunately, I, I have a pretty good view because I'm licensed in all 50 states. Yeah, I do business all around the country, and I can tell you what's going on in the East Coast is a lot different than what's going on in the West Coast right now. Okay, you know, and especially in the Northeast, like right. the Northeast is the hottest real estate market in the country right now. You yeah. know, you know, even like New York's just as hot as Boston, right? And it's like, and it wasn't for a while, right? right. Uh, but you know, uh, what's going on here? Um, obviously our challenge is that, you know, inventory has always been a big challenge, right? Yeah, it's like, even in, even in 2008, right? Like when, when the whole world got rocked real estate wise, you know, you had markets like Cambridge and Brookline and like the South end and all these places that like either didn't lose any value or in, had some single digit appreciation, believe it or not, right, the rest right, of the country right. was down like 20% or yeah, 30%. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, but you know, so we've got, um, you know, obviously the, the job sector here is very strong with tech, biotech, obviously booming here, um, and finance, right? And, and you know, the universities and schools and, and, the, and even our public school system here is just like amazing compared to like other parts of the country. So it, it draws people from all over the world. Like, you know, yeah. Boston's really turned into like, it's not just like, it, it maybe not what it was 20 years ago. Like the amount of people that are coming here to work here from all over the world is like, I'm just blown away. Even over the last couple of years when like the remote work had, you know, gotten so popular, people are still moving here to kind of work in some of the sectors here. So, um, you know, what I'm seeing, obviously, uh, it's the highest part of the country. It's got the most uh, over asking bids, so bidding wars, right? Um, the fastest closings in the country are happening, you know, here. Um, so, and, and that was the case, that was no different in 2020 and 2021. Like if you looked at like the top five hottest markets in the country, Boston was either like two or three or during four. During COVID. During COVID, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Th that stayed the case, like, you know, so I mean, the, the, the income, you know, you've got a lot of two income households here, right? That are super, super strong. Um, you've got, you know, uh, and a limited supply of inventory and demographics that are like, just the, the buyer pool here is, is very, very big. And everybody wants to get into housing because, you know, they're confident that it will continue to appreciate over the course of time. Um, so, you know, lending wise, to your point, like, you know, we have a lot of product options here for, for a relatively small amount of uh, ge geography, right? right. Like yeah, yeah. Boston's so small. It <laughs> like, is, it's crazy yeah, small. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, I don't see the demand here changing and I don't see inventory increasing. One of the biggest challenges we have here is how hard it is for new construction to happen. Yeah, you, can't. you just can't, you can't move the inventory needle, right? Yeah, and the demand can't. to your point has so many fundamental drivers that it just, the, the imbalance is just, it's going to be in perpetuity. Yeah. Unless like, you know, there's not enough happens. new construction that's going to happen. That's ever going to fill that need. So why that's good. If you get into the market, you're kind of always protected. Yeah. Like your home, generally speaking, uh, if you get a fair price for it, when you buy it or whatever, whatever you deem fair, right. right. Is like, is going to likely go up, you know, five, 6% on a yearly basis. Um, I don't see what's going to cause the demand to slow down. And I don't see what's going to create the inventory to, to all of a sudden magically be enough. Like we've got two months worth of supply of housing in the Boston area right now. It may be even slightly under 2%, uh, two, two months right now. And you need a balance market's considered six, six to seven months. Yeah, six, yeah. seven months, right. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I wanna shift gears a little bit. Yeah. Didn't, I'm gonna pump your tires now, right? Okay, <laughs> right, so cool. if you were getting bored, <laughs> yeah. you better start listening because Champanogian has been the number one mortgage Broker in America for five straight years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you know what you're doing. Yes. 
And um, you know that's incredible accomplishment. Thank by you the way. very just, much. Just awesome and um, and humble and a, and a great dude. So that makes it a lot easier to to, to chat with you. Yeah. Um, so did you like? How long have you been a mortgage broker? It's all I've ever done. Okay. I literally like since I graduated from Bentley when yeah. it was back when it was Bentley College. Uh, you know, I graduated uh, in 2002, and so I've been at this literally exactly uh, 20 years now, 21 years. Could you? I mean, like. Could you have imagined that you'd be where you are? Um, you know, look, I kind of fell into this business totally by accident. Um, but you know what's funny? In uh, I literally opened up my first company in 2008 when like stuff was like really bad. Right. Uh, and I was literally just like looking to survive. Like I was like, oh, I think I can make a career out of this. Uh, but I will tell you like about four or five years in, I knew that I could change it, like what was expected of like a loan officer. Like I saw that there was like, an opportunity to build a team, deliver better service, utilize technology. Um, and I was fortunate, I was surrounded by, I, I was lucky early enough to meet some people that were having a high level of success, both in the real estate world and in um, the mortgage world. Yeah. And I was able to um, see gaps in terms of service and tech in our business that I was able to kind of just go after and fill. And like okay. I had big, big vision, big dreams. And then I just worked really, really hard, man. Yeah, like I totally. gave it everything I had, right? You know, for, for I still do. Yeah, but like, but uh, you got, I mean, pretty solid tan. Yeah, yeah, still working as hard as you used to. I mean, I work pretty hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I have good, uh, good Armenian skin here, so it takes that sun in. However, yeah, the uh, gyrish is no. This is no bueno. Yeah, but so, right. but, but um, uh, no, you know what? It's uh, I, I have a really amazing team now. Yeah, you know, back then I was by myself, right? Okay. Now yeah. I've got like thirty-five team members. Okay, that was my that was my next question. Yeah. So you just keep. Keep, you just keep knocking them down here. Um, 35. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, okay. so like, look, I, you know, my thing is this, like, I want to work on my business. I want to be the visionary. I want to be um, the business development person. I want to be the rainmaker. But I have these amazing people around me that handle marketing, branding, operations, sales. Like, you know, we've built a real company within the company, right? Yeah. And so um, it allows us to just keep kind of focused on you know, taking on new initiatives, taking on new relationships. Like I said, when I was, when I opened up my business, I just wanted to be like the mortgage guy in Watertown, Waltham in Belmont, right? right? And then when I got Cambridge, Somerville and Southie going, right. I was like really happy. Now we're licensed in all 50 states and doing business all around the country pretty consistently. And so like, it, it's it's pretty humbling, right? Like it's like, wow, it's like, how did this happen in a relatively short amount of time? But it's because I've like, you know, I, I really believe in the team approach and like just surrounding myself with really smart people. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's only so much you can do by yourself. I right. would not be here right now if it wasn't for the amazing people on my team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Now do you, uh, do you invest in real estate yourself? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. So uh, what do, what do you look for when you're, when you're investing in real estate? So like, you know, I've done all sorts of stuff, you know, I, most of the stuff, like my personal real estate holdings, like, I mean, like Watertown, Belmont, Cambridge, like the markets that I know, you know, and I do multifamilies, like, you yeah. know, you know, I kind of grew up with that like old school mentality around me. So it's yeah. like, it's easy. It's what I know. I look for cash flow. I look for, you know, like, you know, the, I, I just, it's, it's easy for me, but I've also done some commercial deals, uh, some bigger developments. I've, uh, you know, I invested in projects in Nantucket and the Vineyard and something in Miami right now. So like, you know, as I've met new people, like I've been able to kind of expand my horizons. You know, what I look for, honestly, when it's not like a, like a multi or something like that, I just really look for like really smart people yeah. that, that okay. know, like, like I'm betting on that developer or right. the investment team, as opposed to like, you know, more than anything else, like their track record, their vision, uh, the opportunities they're finding. It's not so much about like, um, the property at that point, it's about that person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm kind of start winding it down here. Yeah. Um, how do you stay kind of 
on trend with everything that's happening in your industry? What are you, what are you, um, what are you digesting for, you know, news sources and, yeah. and how are you staying, you know, ahead of the curve on, on, on everything in the, in the lending? I think it's world? so important. Uh, you know, I'm like, all I do, like we you know local market, like I'm constantly talking to like the, the, the who's who in the business in terms of like, I, I just like, there's only, you know, I respect like the people that are doing business in these markets and all different, whether it's residential or commercial development, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm just constantly talking to people, but then I'm also like, I, I read all day long, whether it's like, you know, bigger publications like housing wire and inman and stuff or, or like zillow and checking out the redfin reports or like you know um the journal the globe like i'm constantly just consuming information then i'm following smart people on things like twitter and like instagram and you know i go to conferences all over the country like i'm constantly just taking information in because like it's so important if you're not staying up to date with trends you're falling behind right you know and the world changes faster than ever before yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like i'm all in on like being uh i i take it pretty seriously. So like I spend a huge portion of my day just like consuming information. Okay. So you're a big reader. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Every single day. Yeah. What, uh, any like really good books you've read lately that you would oh, recommend? Man. You know, it's funny. Um, you know, I've, uh, two, two great books I've read, uh, you know, I'm, I'm big into Ryan holiday right now. So, uh, the, you know, uh, he's, he's got a bunch of great books, discipline is destiny. Um, you know, uh, the obstacle is the way I thought those were good things like in a tougher market to get, Owned in on uh, one of the best books I read uh, this year was The Gap First Again. It's just like a mindset book. Who Not How uh, was another same kind of same kind of author. So like I, I'm probably taking down a book like every two weeks. You know I'm a big big reader. Okay. Um, so like um, those are just like the ones that come to mind. But um, you know I could go on and on. That's like a that's like a I could I could just we could yeah. A too bad Demela's not here. You yeah, guys yeah. could geek out on yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a yeah. huge reader, man. All right, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, bigger meltdown. Seltzer bees. Oh, I think the bees, yeah. you know, like, I mean, they're, they were so good. I mean, so they're the best good. team in hockey. <laughs> and like, I mean, the bees, like, I mean, yeah, like it just, I was at game seven when they lost, I took my kids and like, they couldn't even figure out uh, how, like they, they didn't even think it was an option that they were not, they were going to lose. Oh, right. Dude, and I had to nice. explain to them that like, that's how it goes. Uh, but um, I mean, the bees were a bigger meltdown for sure. I mean, the seas were like, I kind of wasn't surprised they didn't pull it off. There was something about that team that, yeah, just, yeah but like the bees were like, they had it everything this year. They were I tough. They, they were, were fun. Deep. They had, deep. They, 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 yeah, from, from the goalies out, I was, that was crushing. Yeah. That was crushing. I was on a plane on the way back from Toronto when game seven was going on. I mean, how great uh, would it be if we were like in Vegas last week, like watching the bees uh, beat the Knights in the totally. Stanley Cup? Totally, that would have like, been a good storyline <laughs> yeah. too. And, and you know, look, hats off to Florida, right? Yeah. They went on a great run. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, the, the, the I was President's happy for Trophy Bruce Cassidy, curse, though. I was happy for Cassidy. Yeah. You know, and a little bit, like, you know, it was cool, like, good good redemption story. I'm a, a big redemption person and, like, cool for him to kind of go somewhere else, you know, after taking some lumps here and winning. So good for him. Yeah. No, yeah. no, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, that was, that was a tough, tough spring. Yeah. But at least we, at least we have the Sox. No, 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 we yeah, don't have we, the Sox. We have the Pats. We, hopefully we'll sign De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins here. That would be nice. And, that uh, would be nice. It would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else you want to share with our audience or no, that man, we didn't I think touch on? Awesome. You know, like we touch on a lot of stuff in a relatively short amount of time. So like, uh, you know, I think uh, I think we got a good run in front of us in, in terms of real estate world. Like I would say, you know, for all the developers out there, if this is a developer, a heavy show as it is, like, you know, keep building, right? Uh, like, uh, totally. you know, like it's yeah. like, there's such a need 
for like great quality product and what it does for our communities in terms of like revitalization, reinvestment in the communities. Like it's so, so important and like people want it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, look to your point that was made earlier, right? It's so hard right now in the political climate we're into entitle new projects. Yeah. And obviously with the cost of money and construction costs, it's like if you have a shovel ready condo project yeah. in a decent area, like, and especially if you've got the balance sheet and ability to capitalize that internally, or you can get, you know, better than, you know, most people could get in terms, uh, you know, from a, from, from a lender on the yeah. debt side, build it. Yeah. Right. Like there's just, again, there's such a demand right now for, for our market. Yeah. And there's just such a thin pipeline, I think, for the next, you know, really 12 to almost 36 months on the for sale side. Yeah. And uh, and then go get your uh, your your buyers to get their loans with Champanogia. There you go. Yeah, we'll prove right. that project. Let's go. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Champanogia, pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank for you. Me. Uh, congrats on all your success. Thank and you. uh, I really appreciate you dropping the knowledge and bringing the insight to our audience. So great. we will catch you next time on another episode of Empowered Returns. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMella with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.